Welcome to the Look It's Rock and Roll podcast. I'm your host, Julian, and you can tell by these two characters that we're doing another Wasp chat today. It's been a while. So, let's see. Last episode, we talked about Still Not Black Enough. That means this time it's going to be Kill, Fuck, Die. And uh, to, to the censors, you know. What do you get out of life? <laughs> yeah, there we there we go. This one's a little bit of a shocker for me personally. 1997, where was I? I was in, well, I was still in Scotland. So I remember going down to my favorite record store and seeing this and buying it and hating it immediately because it was a digipack. And I chopped up my digipack and put it into a jewel case and there it remains to this day. Um, Bill, we spoke to you in the last episode. We were getting you caught up on the the Wasp catalog that Still Not Black Enough was very similar to its predecessor stylistically and sonically. Um, Kill Fuck Die is not quite in the same zip code. Where were you in 1997 and what were your impressions of listening to this album and, and kind of uh, in the contrast to what we've talked about musically before this? Well, that's different, two different planets because in 97, I was, you know, uh, getting started in a new career, building a family and actually trying to squeak in having my own band at the time. So I really wasn't paying a whole lot of attention to what was coming out, but I did have a friend who was giving me, uh, you know, insights to stuff like Nine Inch Nails and Ministry and Filter, the industrial stuff. And this is definitely a uh, a foray into trying to get into that ballpark, which give him an A for effort on that. But uh, sonically, sonically, this thing is a uh, it's a mess, <laughs> to be honest with you. Uh, it, just a little insight from uh, when when you're recording with a band. You know, there's always a habit of where you burn a quick CD or you pop a tape into a car and you go see what it sounds like in the car. And that's a big, important decision. And Mark Anthony Kay would uh, echo this, that you want to hear what it sounds like in the car before you call it your final mix, because it'll sound like a mess. And in my Jeep, this thing sounds horrible, but it does sound better at home through the headphones or through the speakers and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, it was basically, you know, Wasp had the reputation of being a hair metal slash glam metal band. Uh, then they got a little more heavy and serious. But then with this album, they kind of put an industrial overcoat on it and it kind of looked like a uh, fat guy in a small jacket. Yeah, uh, I think with your Jeep, you might want to have the windows down and the cover off if it's uh, convertible. Uh, Mark is militant about his car radio test for all his mixes, and uh, it's a very par important part of his creative life. Uh, talking about creative life, Andy, you're ready for Halloween? Yeah, no, not really. Not ready for Halloween because... Oh, you well, the problem the problem is with Halloween. Well, Halloween the month of October is my holiday, anyways. I just call it Halloween the whole month, you know, great greatest month of the year for me. Period. But uh, you know, with everything going on with the world, they, they don't even know if they're gonna do, you know, the whole trick or treating thing. So it's kind of like it's uh, you know, if I start pulling stuff out and put stop putting stuff everywhere, you know, then there's gonna be crowds, and they really don't want crowds. So I don't think I I actually I have I didn't pull anything really out because you know 
actually took everything down. I used to have everything up, basically downstairs on the second, on the first floor. You know, the walls are done, everything's done. And uh, after having it up for like five or six years straight, when Kim moved in, she didn't mind. She doesn't mind it, but uh, she's like, "Hey, can you take it down for at least a year?" <laughs> so I ended up taking it all down, and I ended up packing it. And of course, we got married, and then you know the COVID stuff hit. So I, uh, you know, and then it does take me. You know, I usually have to start <clears throat> in August. You know, kind of late August, start putting stuff. You know, because like I said, I do the walls and everything first. Get you know coatings. You know, put the first coat on, then the second coat, and everything else. And then uh, you never know how the weather is too, because you can't put stuff outside. You know, for a couple reasons. Number one, electronic stuff you don't want to get. You know, don't want to get wet and get ruined. Yep. But two, you want stuff to get stolen. It's, that's how it is. The world is. The world sucks. People suck. That's that's you know. Anyways, <clears throat> this is the perfect soundtrack for 2020. This, what? Where were you at in '97 when you first encountered this album? Well. You know, we're all Kiss fans, so at that point, 96, 97, we're all, like, doing a whole Kiss thing and stuff like that, and there are all the bands started to come out, which, who, who the hell was popular in 97? I can't, I don't even remember. <laughs> and I don't really care. So, anyways, <laughs> um, I would still go to a record, you know, here in New England, there are still record stores, believe it or not, people, because I've been going out every week for the last weekends on here for hunting, like, flea markets and records actually found record stores and stuff it's kind of crazy and um so i've been picking up stuff in here so back then go to my local i think strawberries was might have been gone by 97 strawberries records and tables is a new england thing so i might have picked this up if it wasn't gone i either picked this one up at uh, uh this place called newberry comics i think is another new england kind of record store they were kind of big and they kind of you know kind of flaked a little bit there's a couple left but you know, I walked in the door and I'm like, yeah, look at the kiss stuff. I always see if there's bootlegs and stuff because Newberry was really good about doing that stuff. And then all of a sudden, I got to keep checking on the wall stuff anyways. And all of a sudden I see it. This is sitting there and I'm like, okay. Like when I look at it, I'm like, this, this, this has got to be some kind of like bootleg. Because <laughs> I'm like, it doesn't even have Blackie Lawless on the cover. Not on the front, not on the back when you had it wrapped. And I'm like, wait a minute. And you could barely, you know, you see the Wasp and the KFD, which you really can't see it at all. It's all fuzzed out. So you're like, what is this? And then you flip it over and you're like, this is nuts. And there's a pig hanging <laughs> in the background in the back. And I'm like, this is nuts. So, of course, I got to buy it. And then, uh, like you said, you do the radio test. I flapped it in the, in the radio in the car. You know, like as you guys said, the car test. And I put it in, and I'm like, what is this? This is bizarre. Because I'm, like, opening it up, and now now you can actually read what it says because they got the refrigerator. You know, when you, you know, that weird Jillian's favorite digipack, it opens up, and then a little thing, refrigerator opens up, and there's, you know, there's, a, there's another half pig in there, and I don't know if that's a girl or a boy or a kid. He's stuffed in the refrigerator, and I'm going, now this is my kind of thing, because this is horror, kind of the, you know, horror stuff, you know? So I'm like, this is kind of interesting. So, of course, when you flip it over, there's the pig, <laughs> you know? And there's the KFD in there. And next, you know, it's like, wash KFD. And I'm like, man, this is in a pool lake. This is the real deal. And then all of a sudden, I slap it in, and I'm like, start doing the drive, and I'm like, wow, what? Did they do like a one <laughs> flip around, you know? 
And I'm like, this is weird. But the thing was, when I first started listening to it, I couldn't turn it off. I could only turn this. This is, this is one thing I hate about the CD. You can only turn it up so far. And then, you know, turn it up to 10. No, you can only turn it up to about five, five or six. And after that, it gets all, it just doesn't, it gets all distorted. That's where it doesn't work in a Jeep. Because if you've got all the outside wind of the vehicle, then you can't hear the radio anyway. Yeah, but Go it's ahead. so weird. Don't just, do you guys feel the same way when you when you try to turn it up? Yeah, so, sonically, this thing has, as Bill mentioned, it has issues, um, and it's not just your usual blacky, buzzy guitars. But one of the things that I didn't notice initially, and I was online, so I kind of knew that Chris Holmes was back in the band. But if you opened up at least the, the, the UK Cal or Raw Power CD, you could barely see where it says Chris Holmes on guitar. Um, but one of the weird things in 1997 was that a lot of bands had kind of decided to go down that industrial uh, you know, path. Motley Crue, Generation Swine, and their industrial Shout at the Devil um, you know, version on that and some of the more metallic stuff. I wasn't well versed on industrial music as such as a genre. You know, Nine Inch Nails, I'd heard some of that stuff. Um, but to me, you know, I think the closest I'd gotten to it was a Kerrang! sampler CD in 94 that had like Biohazard or Therapy or Prong, something like that, which was kind of more of the emerging industrial stuff. And I don't even remember which one of them was the really industrial sound. So slamming this in, going from that Motley Crue CD, you know, Generation Swine, which has a, a lot of really kind of normal as far as Motley Crue goes, music into that, you know, kind of reinterpretation of Shout of the Devil into this. This was a whole new sound. I was thrilled that Chris Holmes was back in the band. Did you know that he was before that, Andy? Uh, no, not really. I, like I said, when I saw the CD, it was just, you know, didn't he, um, the internet, was he, was the internet even out? Did, would they, I don't think he, like in a weird way, they weren't yeah, I, even. I think they had WaspNet even back in '97. Yeah, but I don't think there was really too much about about it or about them. I know it was very bizarre. Um, you know, I see I see things now that you know um, Blackie and Chris were overseas at places doing interviews and looking at Blackie Loss and how how they looked. They painted their faces. They're like kind of whitish, and then they tear drops on his eyes. And, talking about they went from shock rock to freaking kill rock well, actually they rock. just want to look like andy moyan yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no way <laughs> but i mean it was like in, in in uh blackie in one of the interviews was you know the, they did a lot of interviews you know all overseas all the time but one in one of the interviews said that him and chris when they got back to, together again is that they went out uh uh, they were overseas, and when they were out, you know, at clubs and partying or whatever they were doing, they would go to these clubs, and all of a sudden they were hearing these, these weird sounds, like drum sounds and things clashing and banging, and they're like, hey, we, we could do this. So this is kind of what they experimented. And then at the same time, I think I saw another interview, well, of course, that uh, Chris Holmes had broke up with Lita, <laughs> or vice versa, and Blackie had was in a long relationship with somebody and he was out of relationship. So you had Chris and Blackie in a very angry mood. <laughs> mode. <laughs> and I think that's what they said. Some of the songs were written 
they were pissed off. <laughs> yeah, that, that's one. That's one of the comments that they make in the the press kit. Bill, did you have a chance to watch that press kit video? Uh, because it, it's basically kfd and i'm not a prude or anything but i just do not like that title it's not like something that comes up you know very comfortable in conversation hey man let's talk about kill fuck die i mean it, it you know and you go into that electronic press kit and they they talk pretty much that this is a concept album with recurring themes of like relationship pain emotional suffering and anger so that seems to be an undercurrent of negative energy that kind of permeates through the album Bill, your, your kind of take on that. Isn't that uh, a lot of that is a film from MTV Europe or something? That EPK? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I did see that. And uh, it, it's kind of weird because, uh, you know, they're, they're saying they're wanting to... It, it's basically like them coming out to say that, well, we're, we're trying to sound like these all these depressed industrial bands, you know. You know, we we're miserable. We're miserable, and we want to screw, and we want to die, and all that stuff. You know, but uh, yeah, it was it was interesting to just see that because if there's anything this album isn't, it's fun, <laughs> and that was that was a big part of the kit. This the wasp sound to me was you know there was a lot of fun stuff on it. Even like Rebel and the FDG from you know uh, Headless Children, that was fun. It had a cool groove to it and everything like that, but. Uh, yeah, it just seemed like they were they they were trying to act like who they were trying to lump themselves in with with the industrial bands where they're like, you know, kind of indignant to everything of the past and even the industrial bands, you know, when when they were using distorted guitars like metal and you know, blasting drums and all that and then they kind of thumbed their nose to metal and was like, "We're not metal." It's like, no, you're just using all of the elements. <laughs> so what's the difference, really? But, uh, yeah, uh, it, it basically just kind of se- seemed like a lot of posturing to me in the EPK. Yeah, and I think Blackie goes so far as to call it snuff rock, which... Yeah, that's, yeah, that's the one I was looking for. <laughs> Yeah, that's 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 not one I I find particularly endearing. But then again, going back to 1997, it was a, a year of again I mentioned the crew and in 97 we have to mention Kiss and their Carnival of Souls. It was a lot of old school bands hopping on different bandwagons um, to varying degrees of failure because uh, <laughs> I don't think one of them pulled them off. And my initial impressions of this album uh, were not positive. I got through it and I put it away and I really didn't revisit it for many years and then one day I was in a really foul mood and I said, you know what, I'm in the mood to listen to Kill Fuck Die, <laughs> you know, because it my mood kind of married up with the, you know, the music on the album. We're going to go track by track in a couple of minutes here, but again, mood. And as I started revisiting it, I started honing in on a few songs or a few riffs or a few things that started jumping out at me. Kind of, and like, you know, okay, it grows on me in parts and in very few parts. Uh, Andy, kind of your thoughts on, you know, you, you mentioned your initial impressions. How often do you go back and listen to this over the years or have you just pulled it out of your collection for this show? Oh no! I, you know, to me, this 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 CD was made for a horror movie. Point blank, man. This is all horror movie. This could be a great soundtrack to a horror movie. 
I don't know. That's <laughs> no, that, that that's it. That this is gonna be a great soundtrack well, to horror movies. The movie. same token, that's something you can't uh, really rock out to when your four year old's in his car seat behind you either. <laughs> so that's where well, I had a problem with it. You know, I couldn't I couldn't have listened to this when my my kids were like four and five years old because it would have been an interesting first day at school. Needless to say. Well, it's quite yeah. a, it's quite a quantum leap from like being a horror movie, uh, you know, scream until you like it, uh, you know, or Night of the Living Dead, some of the stuff that, or Dream Warriors, Dawkin, you know, I mean, this is this is Halloween. This is you know, Kill Fuck Die is almost you know Michael Myers ish or Friday the Freddy Krueger or Jason in Friday or whatever those are. I mean, I, I'm not a big horror fan, so there we go. <laughs> There's a video on uh, YouTube. It's got, um, you know, they they it's got the KFD song and they got Michael Myers. You know, I mean, it's perfect. It's perfect for Michael Myers. It, it some of these songs should be. It's a horror film. It's a it, not your pansy horror film. Not like you be. Well, I guess it could be either. It's a. It, it's definitely. It sounds like a soundtrack for a really deep dark and i mean dark horror film yeah i, mean, I had so- it, I said like uh how much scarier would shocker have been if wasp had done the soundtrack and used a lot of this in shocker <laughs> to where it wasn't you know the hairband thing like what it ended up being if Wes craven would have picked blocky lawless to do the soundtrack and he used this you know people would have been having nightmares of horace pinker yeah, that's actually an extremely good point that, you know, this could fit in. What, Danny Trejo, you know, those sorts of uh, gore films that have been kind of popularized in recent years or, you know, The Human Caterpillar. I mean, this, this is right up there. Let's get into some of these songs leading off the, the album, uh, the title track. Uh, Bill, let's start with you. Your thoughts on that one? Okay, well, I, on, on the Sonics, I have... a. A little bit of a statement I prepared, you know, where I, I didn't like the buzzy guitar of Blackie's on uh, Still Not Black Enough. I think the guitars on this are really good, but the, bi- the big fo- uh, foobar or snafu or whatever you want to call it is the drums. The drums are so hardcore electronically programmed and that god awful crash cymbal. That's it. It's the same crash cymbal sound all the way through the whole album. And I'll, I'll elaborate on some of those in a little bit. But uh, going back to the first one, because uh, I kind of selected mine as best and worst. But, uh, you know, Kill Fuck Die is definitely one of the most uh, techno-angled tunes. It might work better if the drums were more arranged in an industrial techno vein, but they weren't. They were kind of programmed like a metal song. And uh, and I was exhausted by that damn crash cymbal by the end of the song. It was just like every... Four beats. That's exactly what the drum sound sounds like on the snare, the cymbal sound. The drums aren't terrible, but I mean, as far as the drums itself, the arrangement's bad. But the actual sample of the crash cymbal, there's no resonance to it. Because when you get a crash cymbal, it's like that and it fades. And when you get, you know, it's almost like, you know, you're, you're dropping your keys over and over again. They just go dead once they hit the table. And it got really exhausting. But that's all I got on that one. Nice. Andy, your thoughts on the title track? Well, again, I, I wish, I mean, I'm not really big into remakes of like albums in the first place. But, 
but I wish they do something uh, with this CD so we could turn it up to 10. <laughs> that's that's my biggest I mean I'm not like you said I, you know I used to back then you like you said you hit 9 inch nails that was probably really the only industrial you'd hear I never really heard on a radio I think I don't know anybody else really um so well, to me industrials kind of started branching out and this is where industrial led into the new metal so you were actually getting entire stations that was playing like this and then they eventually ended up playing limp biscuit and corn and all that stuff that followed after so this this industrial period of the late 90s is kind of the bridge into that oh because because to me it was all new then you know when i got it i was like this is new i never or anything like it. I think, like you said, again, just every time I go put this on, I want to listen to it. I go, I want to turn it up, but I can't. <laughs> and I said, you know, reduce this is the guy who does Rammstein albums. If, oh. if he hold of that, this would be a brutal album, and you would your ears would believe you'd turn it up so loud because yeah. that stuff is, you know, where where you want your your drums and even the guitars to hit on to be rhythmic in nature. Rammstein yeah. is just, it's, it's perfect. That's the best thing about them. I mean, I don't, they sing in German and I don't even know what they sing, but I love their stuff because it's just so aggressively rhythmic. You know, it, it doesn't matter whether it's the guitar, the drums, or even the lyrics. But, but the thing is though, I like, I like it. It's weird. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it brings me into the Halloween thing, the month of October, this whole thing about, I don't know, the horror films. It just, that's what it brings me to. That's where it kind of brings me to that escape. That's where I call it my escape. You know, and everybody, you know, I have a great relationship and stuff, so I'm not mad at somebody. <laughs> you know, I don't have an ex, you know, anymore. I don't, I, you know, I'm past that point of like angriness or stuff like that, but I still love this CD for some strange reason. <laughs> well, I you mean, know, that, that's very similar to what I just said, you know, that I'd get into one of those very, like, moods and, like, what do I want? It's a KFD day, you know, I'm going to listen to that because it does fit into moods, as does most of the music in my collection. You know, again, it's my soundtrack, but they all have a place. I mean, they may not get played more than once a decade, but every album has will at some point come back into my life. And I'm like, I need to listen to that album, and I'm, I'm surprised at how often this one does. The you know the title track, I like the riff. I mean, yeah. imme immediately, you know, it's a good lead-off track from that perspective. It's one of the worst radio edits ever released in the history of radio edits. Nearly as bad as Gene Simmons' sheep edit for asshole. Um, kill, kill, die is what they did to make that radio accessible. But they still left the F-bomb on the packaging. Um, you know, so how many radio stations actually got one of these and said, you know what, our listeners really want to listen to this. Um, it, yeah, you, you said this... You want to play in front of your mom? I mean, you, you know, you're going to, like, like Bill said, you're going to sit there with your kids around and listen to it, or or maybe your wife or girlfriend. If, you know, I, it's one of those things. You, it's one of those things. Yeah, I guess you put headphones. In your thing, yep. Uh, headphones, or, you know, you're, you're by yourself and you just in your car by yourself driving somewhere or going someplace, or you're in your hangout and, and you know, it's a shitty day. It's raining or something. I don't know. 
you're stuck you in, you're stuck off. in traffic you haven't moved in last 15 minutes you just keep turning it up <laughs> until it becomes that wall of white noise yeah, and, and then you look at the people next to you, and you're driving, you're stuck in the traffic, and you go, yeah, piss me off, because I'm going to step out of the car any second. <laughs> and where Julian said that this is a perfect album for 2020, this track is a perfect track for 2020, because it's kind of the angle where, you know, when we was growing up, you had life sucks and then you die. And that's pretty much what this whole damn song's about. You know, it's it, it's like, you know, you want to kill, then you want to fuck, and then you just want to die, and <laughs> it, it makes it a perfect, a perfect uh, song for 2020. We've had, we've discovered the COVID album, but you know, going back to the 80s when Blackie said, um, "Manimal, the son of Animal." Well, this is like the grandson of Animal because it, <laughs> it it's very similar to Animal Fuck Like a Beast right at the beginning in terms of the aggression that it represents and the rage. So, you know, that's all I, that's all I got for this one. You know, I want yeah, to kill I, your mother cry. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but it's worse. It's actually worse than anybody makes a big deal about animal. I think, he, you know, he says, it says the phrase like twice in the whole song. This KFD, man, he says it way the hell long. Yeah, but, and, and that's why I think it's the grandson of, of, yeah. uh, of animal. Because it's that same sort of outrageous offensiveness deliberately. And while that may have worked in 1983, it was like, we're going to reinvent ourselves with the same move. So here's an outrageous track, an outrageous interview. We're going to, you know, here's our, our makeup. Here's our story about this album. It's just outrage. But you know what? In 1997, pretty much everyone had seen it all by then anyway. So yeah, mm -hmm. it, it was a little bit of a, a moot point. Let's move on into song two take the addiction i always thought it was taste the addiction um because i don't read so good apparently <laughs> but my my only notes on this is that blackie decided that he needed to write a song that was like the real me only industrial like and musically from this point on in the catalog i start hearing a lot of elements of previous song wasp songs when whenever you know, I hear something. I'm like, oh, that's got a little taste of this. This totally has a taste of real me to me. Just industrial. The real industrial me. And, and that's all I got. Love the, I actually like the song. Bill? It's actually one of my favorites. I uh, have it as, as one of my top three. Uh, I got a little hint of it where, uh, like, the theme of the song was, you know, basically heroin looking for its next victim. And then if you think about it, this is 97, and he's... And if he's giving me that kind of impression, he is light years ahead on hard rock and metal bands writing about heroin. But I mean, you know, knowing now what I know about heroin, it gives me the feel that, uh, you know, it's just basically waiting. It's the it's heroin laying low, looking pretty and waiting for its next victim. It's a great song. And I love the freight train feel of the whole, yeah. whole riff all the way through the song. It just relentless and doesn't let up. Yeah, nice, Andy. Yeah, it's an awesome song. It, 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 Bill, Bill took words right out of my mouth. He, it seems like, it seems like he already knew about how much the drugs, the heroin, and all that was like going to be a big thing, you know. <laughs> and just the riffs that, you know, Chris is, does. It's too bad. He didn't, like I said, be able to turn it up, you know. But uh, it just seems like he would. Blackie seems to be ahead of his time at times. 
You know, like he's already thinking about <laughs> what's going to happen like five years from now. And some of the stuff that he's done and said, it's, it's happened. It's weird, you know, in ways, you know. <clears throat> well, kind of bridging the gap because who did he replace in the New York Dolls? Johnny Thunders. Correct? Yeah. So Johnny Thunders was, a, you know, he was the Scott Weiland of the 70s. You know, he was the, the heroin horror story. Of course, he died in the 80s, didn't he? Yeah. Johnny Thunders did. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, but he was smacked out the whole back end of the 70s. That's why he ended up out of the dolls and, you know, playing with other junkies, you know, junkies of like kind or whatever, you know. But good God, what kind of music did they make? It was great stuff. But, yeah, I mean, he was kind of abridging the gap to where, you know, it's kind of kind of a reminder. It's like, yeah, this this has went on and it will go on. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's a. In Blackie's voice is, you know, at this time is still phenomenal too. It's perm. You know, he, he was ripping on it with his voice, man. Just like unbelievable, this stuff. You know. Yeah, so, the, the, this vocal could be right up there as one of the best on this albums, but it's also a very brutal one. I mean, I like Bill's, thought, you know, take on heroin, but I also see, you know, that addiction can be like that. Drug is love you know, and the emotional connection, you know, so you get into the relationship side of this, that that relationship energy is as, you know, powerful as heroin or a drug, you know, so you just kind of, you know, weird. Let's move into the ballad. <laughs> you know. Uh, and, and, and again, you get into kind of my take on this is, yeah, I hear elements of a lot of stuff, and my tortured eyes... I have echoes of Cries in the Night on this. And, and, and again, blasting it with industrial rage. It, it, it's just what I get out of that. You know, and Cries in the Night is such a fantastic... I mean, that dates from the very earliest part of his career as well, because that had been done, I think, by Circus Circus or Sister in a different guise um, and, and was revisited uh, by a wasp. Bill... And Cries in the Night is one of my favorite Blackie compositions, period, along with Sleeping in the Fire, which both happen to be ballads. Uh, I didn't actually write down any notes on that because uh, I, I just kind of missed it when I was going through my list. But, yeah, my tortured eyes, you know, it's it's got a, a wild angle to it, you know. And uh, I think Andy reminded us of it a while ago, you know, kill me so my tortured eyes never see you again. It's like, that's heavy. You know, uh, the, the concepts on this are great. And uh, and actually, you know, where you were talking about vocals, the vocals are awesome on it. Chris's lead playing is fantastic. But, I mean, for some reason, I think a, a lot of this album gets killed in the Sonic. But this isn't necessarily one of them. Some of the others are. But I don't have a whole lot more on uh, my tortured eyes. Andy. Well, uh, you know... This is this is pretty like I said. This is a pretty deep song. I mean, I've had, you know, I, I know there are a lot of people out there that don't have great relationships with their parents, man. But I've had a good one. But this song, man, if there are people out there that that feel this way, you know, you know, you know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> my torches eye can kill me and you know, watch me die, you know, mom, dad, you know. Those lyrics in there, you know, when you start listening to, I mean, it's one thing. Do you listen to the lyrics as the song or you listen to the music wise, you know, or do you put them together? 
you know? You know, I, with I, this, I'm putting them together went a lot further than doing either or. Because just yeah. looking at the lyrics, it's kind of like, okay. But then when, you know, I was doing my final wrap-up and finishing my notes, I was going through track by track and just flipping through the from lyric to lyric, and it made a world of difference as opposed yeah. to listening to it alone in the Jeep, and it was a nightmare again. Yeah, yeah, like, I, uh, you know, I wonder who's singing it in, in some ways. I mean, it's it's almost like a Crimson Idol-ish, you know, the depression song. You know, right. it, yeah, it, it's a call for help, primal therapy. Basically, basically, he's saying, you know, mom or dad or both of them kill me, so you never have to see me see me again and watch me die because you don't like me. That's why look at it. You hate me that much. Just kill me so I'll never have to see you again. It's, you know, it's, it's another one of those, to me, it's just another, it's like a horror movie. That's what I keep, keep that's why I keep coming back to this album. It's a horror movie album to me, you know. It's like somebody got messed up. <laughs> you know, that's, you know, but, I don't know. It's so hard to do with this, this CD. I like it, though. I like like ninety nine percent of the CD, but it's just so weird how it just, you know. Yeah, damn, I'm not. I'm I not read. going anywhere near ninety nine percent, Andy. Sorry, I, I I find it exhausting because of you know just the continuous uh, stream of rage, the continuous stream of pain, the continuous stream of anger. You know, at, at least Crimson had some hope. Still not black enough has some you know themes of hopefulness and joy. This is just like a shit sandwich of an album in terms of yeah, it's 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 your COVID album. We, you you've covered that. We've covered that. It is this year. <laughs> yeah, but it's like again, it's, you got to be in that mo- mood. You know, I guess you got to be in that mode, mood, stuff like that. If you know, if this, like I said, I mean, you, uh, I'm sorry, you got to be in a 2020 mood anytime soon. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, but I'm not... <laughs> I, mean, speaking that, uh, I think one of the great plans is to stay up to midnight, not to make sure the new year rings in, but to make sure this one leaves. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and we're not turning the clocks back this year because we don't need another hour of 2020, right? Straight. All yeah, right. But I do like the song, even though it's deep and it's, you know, it's... You know, like I said, I have a good relationship with my parents, and but... The song is pretty damn deep. <laughs> and that's the thing is at least you can recognize that not everybody has the same situation as you. Because yeah. there are people that, you know, I had a, a decent relationship with my mother. Uh, my father passed away when I was young. But I do recognize the fact that there are people who have been totally brutal to their children. You know, yep. to, whether it's emotionally, physically, or any of the above. But then I got there's also people who's had you know, absolute fantastic relationships with their parents. So it's, it's still good that you can recognize the yin and the yang of that. But this is yeah. just the yang. <laughs> the yin, <Deep>. whatever. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Kill Ahead. And for me, again, I get another echo of songs from the past. And this starts off like an industrial big welcome from the Electric Circus. So I've always felt that this should have been the leadoff track from the album but it's like white limo from you know um foo fighters wasting love you know david grohl dave grohl you know it again lyrically i've got 
I just can't sing along to Die Baby Die. Oh, hell yeah. Die Baby Die. Gonna make your mother cry. <laughs> kill a head. Kill. I, I mean, you know, yeah. it, it, it's just not something I can really bop my head along to. Because while musically it trucks along, and I think creatively, I don't have a problem with the music overall on this album. It's the lyrics, because once you start finding yourself coming along, you're like, kill baby, mother, die. What? <laughs> yeah, and you have instant guilt of my parochial school upbringing of, I can't be enjoying this because orgasmic, my high-tech sex, high-tech death, the animal you are. Oh, God. I mean, just go, go through that, those lyrics and just shake your head, Bill. It's one of the greatest wasp. I mean, it's the second best wasp arrangement on the album. But yeah, I'm not a big fan of the lyrics either. And you know, that's the thing is, uh, I had a, a pretty conservative Christian upbringing, and it's kind of tweaking me a little bit too. Listening to it, this is definitely the one that you didn't want to hear the kids. You know, uh, none of these you want your your kids to hear you <laughs> sing. I got my granddaughter in the next room, and I'm trying to make sure that I'm not saying "kill, fucking die" too loud. <laughs> but anyway. Uh, yeah, I mean, but as far as the arrangements, you know, it uh, has a, it almost has kind of a, uh, the rapid fire chug of uh, like ball crusher. And, uh, and I think it's, it, it made my honorable mentions. I don't know if we were going to do a best and worst or not, but uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it's probably, it's in my top five of the album, at least. Uh, yeah, I think that's, and then I already said a thing about Horace Pinker, you know, being terrified if they'd done this, if this had been on the Shocker soundtrack, people would have been terrified of Horace Pinker instead of laughing at him because I thought the movie was funny. But anyway. I think you, you bring up something interesting there, especially talking back to your upbringing and my own parochial, you know, upbringing, is this challenges us. Oh, yeah. Bec and it's it makes us uncomfortable, you know, even as adults and you know it's not like i'm 14 i'm a complete free being to talk how i want to and you know sing what i want to i would never sing this or play this around my wife just <laughs> you know she likes queen and andrea bocelli and you know the this i i think if i played it with the speakers you know through the speakers i would just be disrespecting her you know, by, right. by doing that, and just like Bill's mentioning, you know, that you don't want to really say the title too loud. It's it's a very strange place that it's putting us in as adults. Um, well, Andy, sorry to, sorry <laughs> to say your name in the same sentence as adult. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. I'm a big kid, so I don't I don't care. I don't really care. Um, yeah, it, it is it is one of those things where you might. You know, again, you don't want to play. We repeat, we repeat ourselves. It's hard to play some of these songs maybe in front of people. They'll just look at you and go, what the is this stuff? But I don't know, man. For some strange reason, I, I really like the album. I don't know what it is. And I'm not, I, I like it. Kill her head, kill her. I don't know. Again, it's one, it's one of those mood things. Uh, if I played it in front of Kim, she'd probably just go, what is this? And she goes, it's got to be, it's probably a Wasp album because she recognizes Blackie's voice now from me playing like other stuff in the car, you know, um, you know, stuff like that. If we take a long road trip or something and, you know, sometimes, you know, they're doing that really, really night driving. If you take it, you know, go on those trips or the concerts or 
Remember, I'm like, or the Expos or something. Wasn't I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna slap in a wasp late at night. I'm like, nah, 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 nah. and she goes, yep, yep, he's, dri- he's doing his drive music. Get the hell out, of, you know, like get out of his way. <laughs> we drive nuts in Massachusetts, anyways. But um, again, I don't know. I like, I love this song. It just, it just goes together with the flow. I understand the lyrics get a little bit, you know, people get scared of the lyrics, but. When I play in front of my mom, eh, I play it. She'd just be going, yeah, whatever. <laughs> you know, yeah, sorry, but, but, you're, but, you, like, but your mom's that sort of lady. so Yeah, <laughs> my mom would be like, yeah, whatever. And, and I think the other thing, too, would be about, even though we understand the lyrics and stuff, a lot of people uh, probably won't unless we repeat them loud enough, you know? Because, I mean, people don't understand Blackie's voice. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, and and also they are they they're, they're very. You really need the lyrics up with this. They don't come in yeah. my. They didn't come in my version of the album, um, so that was probably fortunate. And they didn't have transcriptions of the album back then anyway. So that that certainly helps. And you know, it goes back to Bill's comments about Ramstein. You know, it 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 helps with some music that you're just able to get into the vibe now you think about all those people who don't speak english who listen to you know american rock and roll and the beatles and all that and didn't understand a word but we're more going off the feel of it so well i mean i I think you could understand the beatles song i mean they say the title of the song within half a second yeah and (laughs) and the rest of the lyrics are yeah 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 well that's the thing is like kill ahead kill ahead kill ahead kill ahead that's the best lyrics in the song. You expect Blackie to like write a chorus like "Kill a head, kill a head." He's gonna get you when you're bed. Kill a head or something like that. But I mean, you're just basically repeating "Kill a head," even though as repetitive as it is, it's the best lyric in the song because really the verses don't do a whole lot for me now that I know what the verses actually say. But yeah. the whole the whole the song as a whole it's it's all right you know that's why it didn't make my top three but it's a it's okay yeah didn't make my top three let's move into one that does make my my top and it's kill your pretty face wow this well this one this one to me again i i have memories i have visuals i have if they remade apocalypse now i can see blackie flying around a delta with a winged version of Elvis, his microphone stand, bloody sun setting in the background, and then letting rip into shreds of girlfriends getting blasted by 50 caliber Gatling guns. I mean, I just get that whole intro sequence to Apocalypse Now with this music in my head. And it's kind of Charlie Manson meets Jim Morrison, the lyrics. Um, I, I love it. I, the song, I think, is absolutely fantastic. It's like an industrial free bird. It's kind of building energy it's just, and tension is rising throughout the song. Um, and then it erupts into the, the chorus. Yeah, this, this is right up there for me. And it, you seem surprised, Andy. Yeah, I'm, 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 su- I'm just surprised because you just said you wouldn't play this. You wouldn't play this. And it, you... You play this in front of somebody and like to me another horror movie torture horror movie without a doubt well if you I think can... about it apocalypse now is is about as real life horror as it gets 
Yeah, you know, but I, it wasn't about it wasn't about a freaky monster or something, but it was definitely about the horror of what happened. Yeah, but I'm I'm thinking the visual of kill your pretty face is basically some whack job or you know whatever one horror movie has got some chick, you know, bound up, tied up, and he just basically slices her and dices her pretty face right off. And 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 I'm pretty sure that Blackie wrote this song. About his ex, because he was pissed. <laughs> you know, this is this this song is the this this song is the, to me is like the central song for dudes for guys who are pissed off at an ex girlfriend or ex wife. You know what I mean? You just get so mad. You just like you know, especially when you were kids or teenagers. Yeah, the, or yeah, the the, the the rage of wanting to destroy that which you loved so that no one yeah. else can have it. I, I mean, that yeah. that's, that is a very, again, apocalypse now type thing of I can't have it, you can't have it, no one else is going to have it, I'm going to destroy it all and napalm your face. Yeah. <laughs> and and, and um, not only that, uh, um, if I remember right, I can't should remember this. I should have researched this. What about? I saw this tour, and they played this song live. And this is when Blackie jumped up on his buddy there, um, the, the skeleton. I know he named it. I'm gonna get crucified because I can't remember the name now. And he put that big. Uh, after a while, he started putting all kinds of almost like voodoo stuff all over it. Whatever I was used to shake back and forth. But when I saw this tour, holy schmoly, shit, man! He came. I never seen anything like it. Um, he came out, jumped up on a thing, started doing the song nice and slow. This video is out there. And uh, nice and slow, he's got his leg wrapped around it. You know, he's up top, but he's got his leg wrapped around it. And next you know, he just starts swinging very slowly while he's starting to sing the song. And also, you know, they turn out the light because he's got this stuff on him. And nobody knew at the time what it was. It was just like all gooped all over him. But when they shut out the lights, it glowed in the dark. And I'd never seen anything like that. It was so bizarre, but bizarre way is it's so wicked awesome. And it's just like on his face, on his hair, and he's just like, and he's doing the, the rocking back and forth. And as the song progresses, he just a little faster, a little faster, and he's just rocking, and his stuff just flying everywhere. It was totally off the hook. <laughs> Loved it, loved it, loved it. <laughs> yeah, and you can see some of that footage in the electronic press kit, which of course we'll put the link uh, to in, in the bottom of this for YouTube viewers, for, for listeners. You just have to use your imagination about all of these nightmares. Bill? Well, I guess I'm going to be the odd man out in this one because I thought the, the music was okay and the lyrics were okay, but it didn't. to me it didn't seem like they went together. It's like the music could have been great if it was if it was done with something else, but it just didn't seem like the music or the lyrics fit for me, so I didn't have a whole lot more than that. All right, let's move on into... Yeah, I don't have a whole lot to say about these next two. Fetus and Little Death. I'll, I'll say this. They were deleted from the Japanese version of the album, and I totally get why. Um, I... I'm not a not a fan. I Little Death. Fetus is the kind of instrumental build up into Little Death, and Little Death I just do not care for in any way. Bill. Well, for, and starting with Fetus, uh, I have Fetus written down as basically 
useless film score music, which basically being a a predecessor to to Little Death, that is. But uh, Little Death made the top of my least favorite list. And uh, I'm going to read right off my notes. Having followed Fetus, I would presume it was about being aborted, but I didn't really get that from the lyrics. This is the first song that you listened to, and you got pretty close to the ministry, Nine Inch Nail, industrial vibe of the song and the lyrics, but as nonsensical as they uh, appear, it's a trend of the time. And no, I did not feel young or the special gas of magic, and I'm pretty thankful for the second part. Yep. Andy? Uh, Yeah, I would agree for as a, like, listening to an album, it's not really either my two favorites on the album. These are probably the two I'm going to say the clunkers because, it, again, it seems like for, for like a horror movie again or a movie, you know, like some part of the movie, this is going to happen, you know. Another another kind of torture. Oh, this chick's going to have a this woman's going to have a baby. And guess what? Either somebody's going to die in this, <laughs> you know, yeah. it just it's just a setup for that. And um I don't know. Did did he did he do this really? Did they do this to, to hopefully get some kind of score for a movie? I, I don't know. It almost sounds like that's what it when you know when you listen to this stuff, you know, it's kind of like the music from the Elder thing. Not not the same kind of music in a way, totally opposites. But it sounds like hey, yeah, it's just trying to be a thing for a movie. You know. Yeah, well, hey, yeah. if if Eddie Van Halen can do pornos, soundtracks, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Well, and that's one thing I got thinking about this, you know, is where, uh, you know, Andy had said up front about it being so much for it be horror movie music. This could be like Wasp version of a kind of magic where a kind of magic from Queen was like all that movie from all the music from the Highlander. And then they went back and they put the lyrics in over it. And, you know, if you if you stripped all the lyrics around on this, yeah, it would be ideal movie score music which maybe fetus would fit in a little bit better if it was depicting a scene but it's just kind of meandering to me but yeah i mean it would be ideal music and actually this was kind of properly of the time because this is when you were leading into you know the the more intense uh horror films and uh you know the the mind thrillers and stuff like that from like what Rob Zombie ended up doing with the House of Thousand Corpses and stuff like that. You know, if Rob Zombie hadn't been a musician in his own right, he could have used this and some of that because it kind of parallels it. Yep. Yep. All, all right. <laughs> let's let's get out of that trench. You. <laughs> Part two of Kill Your Pretty Face, I think. This is the breakup song on the album. Um, immediately made me think of Megadeth and something I've listened to a lot more I think The World Needs a Hero and uh, A Thousand Times Goodbye which on there which starts off I think with a phone call or whichever song it is on there uh, the girl kind of dumping him you know I found someone else you know we'll always be friends you fucking suck (laughs) and and that that really is kind of everything in this song is just about that you've been dumped and now he's fantasizing about uh, you know you, you fucking just. suck, <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> Point blank. This is basically like you just got the rug pulled from you. 
hey, I love you, I love you, I'm going to give you everything. Here's my money, here's my debt, you know, here's everything. Here's my house, here's my life insurance policy. Here's everything. Yep. I'm dumping you. Yeah. You! So it looks like Andy and I are reading this one exactly the same way, Bill. <laughs> I, I think I'm going to be pointing the consensus because, again, I'm going to go straight from my notes because uh, – <laughs> The whole rock star thing hadn't panned out for Blackie. He could have had a bright future in the greeting card industry. Because who would have a box of cards that you could just hand this to the people that so deserve it? You know, it's just like, just like that asshole that pisses you off at work every day. You just walk up and hand him a little card that says you on one side and you flip it over and it says you fucking suck. <laughs> and I would order those like Vista print business cards. Some of the people I know. Uh, you know what? We just gave you just gave somebody a good idea. They're probably gonna after they see this, they're probably gonna do it. <laughs> but trade you, you, you got you got to spread love in the world, you know. And even <laughs> if it's just letting, you know, honesty is important. You know, here's my card. You fucking suck. <laughs> but but it's, but it's so weird though when you listen to the song. You, right? You're thinking, yeah, it's not great. You said, you know, you're like, oh, this is this is in one of the you know the the. The better song, well, depending on what you guys think, but not one of the better songs off the CD. But then when you start listening to it, you're like, all of a sudden you see yourself in a round your room or by yourself. You know what? <laughs> yeah, you come on. You know, the, this this whole attitude comes out on a daily basis. You could be in a meeting, <laughs> you know, with with colleagues and coworkers, and you just sometimes have someone, and you just want to turn around and. This is the song for that moment. This can be the song about relationships. I mean, you know, I think most people go through life and they've been dumped at least once and they felt that way or they've done the dumping and someone's thinking this about them. So it, it really is. It's the best representation without going into kind of the snuff fest of some of the other songs that yeah, it, 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 it kind of delivers the message of the album's <laughs> overall theme in the most clinical manner and radio-friendly uh, way. <laughs> it's, it's, I, I actually like the song. It made my top three. Yeah, it, yeah it, 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 it's up there because once we get into some of the other, you know, the remaining two songs, uh, and we'll talk about the, the Japanese bonus track as well, Wicked Love, all I've got on that is just I like the drums. Everything else doesn't do much for me um i was looking through the lyrics and i was thinking like this is way too wordy and i just go back to i like the drums andy <laughs> uh oh i i don't <laughs> this song is kind of weird because <laughs> i don't know uh, is this like it's almost like do i even want to dare say it like it's like an adult dude, like after a kid, you know, like a woman, like underage. You know what I'm saying? I, and I don't want to go there. You know, that's it. That's it for me. <laughs> uh, white butch bohemian bitch. Yeah. <laughs> I just like. I don't know. Just don't, do me. Do me. It's like okay. Words. I like. A, yeah, I, I I like a good horror movie. But I don't need, I don't need to go like, kind of like that deep with that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? It is a point where it gets over the point. That's how I look at this kind of song. 
Like yep. it's really, I don't know. It's just, uh, it, it sounds almost like it's a younger girl and it's an older dude, and uh, you know, you know what happens, and da da da, whatever. So I don't know. Bitch, just do me, do me, do me. And I'm like, holy man, here we go. <laughs> you know, it's just more like a. To me, it's almost like okay, paying for sex and just kind of like rape me, screw me, and then leave me. It's it's kind of like KFD, but it's like a little bit. But I'm still alive. <laughs> you know, I'm like it. KFD, but I'm still alive. <laughs> <laughs> right? That, that's all I got on that. All right. <laughs> all right, Bill, take it away. Okay, well, uh, here I go being the odd man out again because this made my top three as well. Uh, I think it's probably the most Wasp-sounding song on the album, and it actually wouldn't surprise me if it was like a leftover from 84. Uh, as far as the uh, the uh, pedophilia angle that Andy's seeing, I'm not exactly seeing that because I have had romantic information I have had romantic interludes with adults where baby has been a term. So I don't Uh, necessarily see that unless you get into, you know, you have to really go into the harder toward the pedophilia angle for that. So I didn't really see that, but then, you know, and there's the all out horniness, you know, I mean, I, this could probably be animals next door neighbor, you know, as far as, you know, he's watching all the grandkids grow up down the street. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I really like the song, and I thought it sounded like most Wasp-like on the album. I like the sound of the, you know, the guitars and all that stuff. I love it. I just thought, yeah, may- maybe I'm thinking this one in too deep, the lyrics-wise. Maybe that's why. But I, I like the music itself. It, it, it's hard not to throughout this album because it's just like a shovel, and you're digging deeper, deeper, deeper. You, yeah. When you get down to the, the cesspool in the basement, you know, you're probably misinterpreting, you know. Who knows? Go figure. <laughs> yeah, you pick it up, sniff it, and go. What does that smell like? <laughs> <laughs> what it smells like is the last track, the horror. <laughs> the thing, though, is is you know this is another example of Chris's guitar playing being fantastic. You know, after a couple Bob Kulick runs with Wasp, you know. Chris really did have to prove himself coming back. And I think he did a good job as far as solo wise. And really the song constructions aren't bad. It's just, it kind of goes back to the production. Yeah. And when you think about his playing throughout the album, and again, I don't think we know how much overall is definitively him, but it does have a feel to like 1984 and that aggression that permeated that first album. And when oh. you look at the Live at the Lyceum, uh, London live show from 84, his attack um, and just his, his overall style is just all over this, just with an updated sound. Like when he nails that, like on, on Lyceum, when he nails the guitar solo and uh, Sleeping in the Fire, you know, you, I, I just got goosebumps thinking about that because he just has a, a brutal attack when he's going into a lead like that. So I was definitely impressed with it. That's one of my favorite rock concert videos to watch at Live 84. Great set, anyway. All right, let's move into the, the last song, The Horror. Very long song, eight minutes and a half. And to me, this is just very, again, going back to that theme of I hear elements from other albums. Bill, you were just saying that you know, Wicked Love could have been like a, a recycle from earlier in, in some ways. I think The Horror is like a leftover from Crimson Idol. 
mm-hmm. you know, it would fit in easily on, uh, re- what was it, re-idolized, that it kind of could fit into any narrative of storytelling just throughout, and it's also, it's Sonics, but it also wraps up the album nicely in that it's got those lyrics of all pigs die, kill, fuck, die. I, I mean, it, it brings it full circle to the beginning, which is, of course, the, the, the title track, so it, it ties it all together. And I am hell, godless me, I am pagan, idolatry. It's like he's just saying, this is love. You know, you worship love, but it's also the horror is love sometimes. So, you know, I think it, it's a it's a cool way to end the album. I actually like it. Does it make my top list? No, but it still is a decent decent song. Bill, I I always have a problem with incredibly long songs. Uh, I mean, I think that you know if you're going to have something it that's going to be long, it has to have it has to keep your attention. And uh, this one doesn't. Yeah, he's creepy and evil, and he wants you to submit, and it it just takes too long to get there. I mean, I I didn't actually track the time on it, but it took forever for the first verse to start, and then it's almost like there the interludes between the verses and the choruses are too long, and then going back into the verses is too long. If they would have if they would have tightened that up a little bit, it might have been better. It might have knocked it down to six minutes or less, and <clears throat> you know, a really decent song, but it really, I had a hard time keeping my attention. Andy. To me, like like you said, it's, uh, it's almost like the part two of the first song, KFD, you know, it's almost like, okay, uh, you know, the horror is, you know, they, uh, what was it, the eight minutes and 20, 24 seconds, and then you had the, you know, the KFD is four, four minutes and 20 seconds, and he's right, oh, man, I can't make the first title track, and the title track, yeah, it's already four minutes and 20 seconds. If I made it another eight minutes and uh, 24 seconds added on to it, you know, but, you know, again, <clears throat> you know, all pigs die, you know, it's a KFD. It, it just seems to go, yeah, it seems like a part two of the first song. But, you know, again, his voice, man, Blackie's voice and Chris's guitars, you can tell who they are, you know. It just, you know, they just, like they said in those interviews, they wanted, this was now just not theatrical. They were sick, Blackie was sick of hearing about, oh, we're just a hair band, so a theatrical band. So they now they wanted to be the snuff band, now they called it. And they wanted to basically really open people's eyes up to more, even more stuff. but. Uh, you know, part of the problem with that, they lost a lot of fans <laughs> from this album. Actually, they, they admitted it afterwards. They lost a lot of fans because it was too deep for a lot of fans to, to you know, and they said, especially the lady fans, they definitely whoosh, out the door. <laughs> you know, they lost a lot of fans because of this album, because it was too much. It was just way, way too much. But I don't know, man. I, I like it. I like the sound. I like I love Blackie's voice. I just you know, it's just very cool. I know it's deep for some people. I don't mind it. Me again, it keeps all going back to Halloween horror movies, whatever. You know, that's what it is for me. So it's the way I look at it. You know. Yeah, but and you can understand a lot of fans being upset with it because what do fans really want to hear? I mean, I want to be somebody upbeat. You know, yeah. 
wild Find child. <laughs> you know. Well, again, I, I did. I was happy to get lucky. I did see this tour. They did happen to come around the area. I think. I think it was in Boston. I think I saw this one. I'm, I'm going between this one and it was either in Boston or the the place that went down in Rhode Island. So it was one of the two places. I think, and I think it was in Boston. So um, it was in Boston. I can't remember, or maybe it was the station in Rhode Island. But I remember going walking in, and they had TV set up like monitor TVs like off the stage, but on the sides and they were playing, all they were doing was playing porn movies. That was basically the stage on the sides. And then they came out and they had, you know, Blackie had his, the makeup on and the white and the teardrops and thing and whatever. And then Chris came out like white as a ghost, he, you know, <laughs> and then Mike Duder. And then I forgot who's playing on the drums at the time. And I forgot who's playing drums. The big dude. What's his name? What's his name? Who's the big guy? The real big guy. He's most of the time he stands stood up. It wasn't Frankie. Steph. Oh, was the other one? Uh, Steph. There you go. Thank you. Steph Howland. You know, Steph Howland. So uh, the show was really, really good. <clears throat> but again, like you said, it scared, just scared a lot of fans away because of the how deep the album was, you know? So I like it. I just wish they had fixed it. Anyways. I don't know. That's all I got to say. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about the replacement track. I'm not going to call it a bonus track because they deleted two, two other songs. Well, fetus and yeah, little death off it. And then inserted Tokyo's on fire. Um, I actually think this is one of the best songs on the album because it's more traditional. It could be a rewritten ver again, rewritten version of blind in Texas in some ways. And it rocks the fuck out. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, perfect, Bill. Uh, well, and I'm a, I'm with you. I I had that. It's the best Deep Purple song that Deep Purple's never done, because it has a real uh, Speed King and Burn kind of feel to it, and the lyrics are outrageous. The funny thing is, is they they put Tokyo is on fire on a Japan release, and it's like, would that's like I'm coming to burn your house down. Or something like that. I mean, that does just struck me. But yeah, I mean, it's a great song, and it sounds like classic Wasp. And uh, it would have made my top. It would have been become a top four instead of a top three if I hadn't been considering it a bonus track. Because I know Andy was kind of particular about it being a bonus track. Yeah, and it completely clashes with everything else on the album. Doesn't belong on there at all, Andy. That's he just took the words out of mouth again. The song's okay. It definitely sounds like an earlier wasp for sure. It doesn't go with this album for what this album is. You know, that's you know, again, it just goes back. It sounds older, but doesn't sound like it was done in '97. Sounds like it was done in the earlier years. You know, um, but it doesn't. It doesn't match this so and it's to, to me all these freaking bonus tracks drive me crazy you know what i mean all these tracks man if you're gonna do an album freaking put them all on please <laughs> every band should do that none of this crap where well you get one and they take off this one and put on another one come on give me a break 
Yeah, well, Japan was still minus one, if you think they took off two songs for whatever reasons. I think we, we could probably guess what those reasons are for that market, you know, that they, uh, you know, replaced it. So, you know, again, it, it's just, here, we're taking away two, here's one extra. And, again, I don't think it would work as a, say, a bonus track on, you know, an international release. Here's an extra song. It's like, it's like a clunker at the end it's just like it's completely different it's like whoa did did you put something from the wrong album on here well they make you just want to buy it that's all it is you know just like every other band does you know yeah it oh should it should have been the single everyone goes out and buys the album and then you're like what the <laughs> well i get i guess it, no not really because tokyo was on fire i just yeah you know what i mean it doesn't i don't know what would be good for the United States. I don't know. Like you said, it does sound, yeah, it does sound earlier. It doesn't match the album. So it's like, eh, whatever. That's why he picked Tokyo because he couldn't narrow down one city in the United States because every place was on fire anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's 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 wrap up with uh, favorite tracks from the album. Um, Andy, your top three. Oh, I have to do it. I do this. I hate when you guys do this. I, I, it just bugs me. Depend, depend, you know why guys, I say that? Because it all depends on the mood. Yeah. You know, the mode. Oh, well, what's your mood today? What are your favorites that we've talked about? All right. Well, uh, all right. I got to go with the title. It's going to be the title track. It's going to be one of them because it's the title track and it's all about KFD. You know, and when we're in that mode, that's it. You just want to kill. You just want, mm, and then you want to die. Well, maybe not die. You just don't want to get caught. <laughs> Or else, right? or else she'll kill you. Hey, well, no, I'm just saying, anything, you know what I mean? Just, just whatever, you know. Um, man, I like I like certain songs for different reasons too, because of the sounds, the way how he sings. Uh, I don't know. I do like Killer Head. I know you guys are gonna be like, I like that whole Killer Head, the guitar work with, you know. I I am not a, like I said, I'm not a guitar player or any of that stuff, but I just. Like how he says, kill her head, and just, I don't know. They kind of go back and forth with each other on that. So, fair enough. Of course, uh, man, I kind of mixed up with some of them because it all depends on my mood, you know? Well, most of the time, as much as much I I like kill kill your pretty face, I I don't want to kill some chick's face because I'm just not that mad. (laughs) Are any of us? I certainly hope not. Bill, what are your favorites? Okay, well, and that's the thing is I've kind of peppered that all the way through, so I just can just go in no particular order, take the addiction, wicked love, and you, and in an honorable mention of kill ahead. Yeah, and, and for me, I've peppered it throughout as well, take the addiction, addiction kill your pretty face, and uh, probably the horror, you know, if I'm going to stick to three and not do uh, the bonus track, because again, uh, I think it's in terms of a wasp song a more traditional and better wasp song than everything else on the album but i'm gonna not say and put it in my favorites list because it really does clash with the rest of it so all right let's leave that there on our next episode our wasp chat is we're gonna skip through to the next studio album which is of course hell dorado um, and then oh. we'll we'll go back and we'll uh, talk about the two live albums that uh, kind of sandwich that the Sting and Double Live Assassins and of course Double Live Assassins was the live album recorded off this tour and uh, or no wait Double Live was actually 
that was off the Helverado tour, and then the sting was just that fucking internet thing way back when. So, what are your thoughts oh, on what? One, one more mentionable though. Also today, just to let everybody, because they're gonna be like, "Oh, you guys did this today." Uh, actually, today, uh, October thirteenth, two thousand. Sorry, five. Babylon was released. So we're doing a podcast on KFD, but Babylon was released today in two thousand five. Okay, yeah, and next. I, and I was actually right. Double Live was the live album done off this one, and then Hell Dorado had the Sting as its live album. But there you go. We'll sandwich both of those live albums together, and they'll go head to head, and we'll see which one wins. But next episode, we'll talk about Hell Dorado. So for now, what are your thoughts on Kill Fuck Die? If you were a longtime fan, what did you think when it came out? If you weren't and have gone and listened to it on YouTube today because we've talked about it, what do you think about it? What are your favorite tracks? And uh, Let's leave that there for now. So from Bill, from Andy, and myself, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Okay, I had one worth when it's squeaking. Squeak I it in. a plug now. Oh, you, <laughs> you have a plug. Something. Plug something. I am the co-owner and soon to be a DJ on A2ZRadio.net. Uh, it's a Live 365 channel. We play a variety of everything, and I do mean everything, because I've heard everything from songs from the 50s all the way up to songs that came out last week and of all genres so if you like a little bit of flavor it's a the the number two z radio on uh live 365 real nice thanks for sharing that all right take care everyone kfd <laughs> thank you for watching or listening to this episode be sure to subscribe to us like us or even leave us a review You can find us and join the conversation on Facebook.